Welcome to the Naked and Unashamed Life podcast. In this podcast, we aim to bridge the gap between sex, spirit, mind, emotions, body, and relationships. We explore the intersections of sex, gender, spirituality, body image, relationships, embodiment, trauma, living a sexually authentic life, and more. This podcast is for you if you are sexually curious, if you want to deconstruct your beliefs around sex and embrace your full sexual, erotic, and human potential, and you want to create a sex and love life that lights you up from the inside. I'm Lucy Rowett, certified sex coach and sexologist who is passionate and gives a fuck about helping women and people with vulvas let go of sexual shame and hang-ups and embrace pleasure to create the passionate relationships they've always desired. I'm a former good girl and teacher's pet, neurodivergent and eccentric. I grew up in the church, was fully immersed in purity culture and had years of chronic illness. I had to go through my own path of recovery, sexual healing and befriending my body. I believe that your sexuality is yours first that it's a sacred and essential part of you, and that the path to healing starts by befriending your body. This podcast is full of swear words with explicit references, so listen at your discretion or with your earbuds in. So I hope it delights your ears and stimulates your mind, and let's jump into today's episode. Hello. And welcome to this episode of the Naked and Unashamed Life Podcast. Um, so today is today is Wednesday, and that's on at Saturday. On Saturday, um, I led my first in-person workshop since before the panini, <laughs> the pandemic. My first ever in-person workshop in like three years um, for the Vienna Porn Film Festival which was awesome. I love teaching live and everyone who came, it was just an absolute delight. And I was teaching on how to have an orgasm. Well, particularly exquisite orgasms and pleasure for women and people with vulvas. So I thought I would continue the theme for your audio learning and delight and talk about the most common blocks to your orgasm, um, what mistakes you're making when you try and have an orgasm. Um, I'm not sure what to call this episode, whether it will be the most common blocks or how you're stopping your orgasm, how you are cock blocking yourself unintentionally. And I'm specifically talking to women and people with vulvas. Um, if you're a man or somebody with a penis, there's actually a lot here that would probably be re relevant to you too. Um, but I'm specifically talking to people with pussies. So let's dive in as to, so I came up with five because five is quite snappy <laughs> and it was hard to whittle it down to five, but I think five will give you a good starting block because one of my, I say my mottos, my ethos with working with clients is make it doable. Because if I was to give you 20 things you need to be, actually, I don't think it's 20. You're going to listen to this and be like, ah, I don't know where to start. I'm doing it all wrong. So I might as well stop trying. And I've made this mistake before. I, I do have a tendency to info dump. Um, so I'm hoping that by whittling it down to five, it gives you tools and actionable things to start doing. And I hope that this benefits you and helps you to have 
I say more orgasms, although in many ways it kind of goes against the first point. So here are five most common orgasm blockers and then what you can do about it or do differently. So let's go. Number one, trying to have an orgasm. Okay, hear me out on this because I know this whole podcast is about trying to have an orgasm, but why should... So you probably know this already, that the harder you try to make yourself come, the harder it is to come. And maybe you've done this before. I have definitely done this before where you just want to come. You j- you've got like, it's called pink pelvis or like me and my friends call it blue labes where you're super aroused. You feel super puffy. You just want that release or you just want to feel something and it's not coming. And you're trying and trying and trying and trying and or you're having sex with your partner, your boyfriend, your husband, whoever, and you just can't come and you're frustrated and you feel there's something wrong with you. So it's actually the trying to come that is kind of cock blocking you. And the reason is when we think about an orgasm, well, there's a few things that happen. There's a really good analogy that I read and it was, you can't, I'm not calling an orgasm a sneeze, although maybe for you, it may have felt like a genital sneeze. You can't actually make yourself sneeze. What you can do is create all the right conditions for you to sneeze. So like for me, I sneeze anytime I go out into direct sunlight. So if I wanted to sneeze, I just have to look at the sun. I'm not saying an orgasm is a sneeze, but it's something that happens where you could say it's involuntary and it's something that happens when we can let go. And again, you might be listening to this going, well, no shit, Sherlock, Lucy, I can't fucking let go. How do I do that? The first thing is to stop trying to come. And the reason is, is that not only is the harder you try to come, the harder it is, or if you do come, it's like squeezing blood out of a stone, is that when you are so focused on trying to come, you're putting your body into an automatic state of stress. And also what happens is your nervous system becomes stressed. You go into fight or flight. But also what happens is you tend to brace and tense up your body. Like, you know, when you just really, 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 really want something to happen. Notice that energy. Like think of something that you really, 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 really wanted to happen. Or maybe when you really want it to come. Take a moment to notice how your body is. Are you feeling open and relaxed and receptive? Are you like tensing up, trying really hard? (laughs) Notice the difference there. And what you do instead of trying to come, trying not trying to come is focus on everything else that feels good. Savor the pleasurable sensations. Because here's another analogy is that, well, no, if you think about it, you could say a generic orgasm, and I'm not going to go into like multiple orgasms, energetic orgasms, cervical orgasms, and these are all absolutely possible. If we're thinking of like the common garden (laughs) variety of orgasms, just for now, they don't actually last that long, a couple of seconds at most. If you are somebody very lucky, maybe they last longer, but in general, they last just a few seconds. If you are just focused on just a few seconds, you're missing out on 
everything else. Because when you are, whether you're masturbating, whether you're having sex with your partner, I'll bet there's loads of yummy things that are happening in that time and not just involving touching your vulva or stimulating your vagina, nah, um, either. And it's, I know one of my friends, someone called Georgia Rose, she came up with this analogy. It's like going to a beautiful, sumptuous restaurant and it's like luxurious and the best kind of cuisine and you're served like lots of different courses and it's the most wonderful experience. Are you going to throw a tantrum and get stroppy if you didn't have dessert? And, you know, I say this is somebody who loves dessert, but are you going to throw the whole wonderful restaurant experience out? Are you going to throw it all away because you didn't get dessert at the end? Yes, dessert is wonderful. Orgasms are wonderful. You deserve to have orgasms. Orgasms are your birthright. And let's have this mentality of both and where it's savor everything that feels good and as much as you can relax into it. And that is going to make it much easier for an orgasm to come, for you to allow the orgasm to come. And crucially, when it comes to orgasms, it's letting the body take over because yes, they kind of ease a conscious, if you say decision, it's something we consciously do, but actually the, the, you could say the process of orgasm, when I'm talking about genital orgasm, it's something that the body does by itself. It's something that the body is doing. And you can set up all the right conditions for it to happen, but it's something the body does and when the body takes over. And so if you're somebody who, if you're anything like the women and vulva havers that I work with, and definitely myself too, where Maybe you're somebody who's a control freak or a perfectionist, or you find it really hard to let go. This isn't about me saying, just let go, because <laughs> then you'll probably want to throw something at me. It's the more you pay attention to everything that feels good, the more you start to let yourself allow it, it gets easier and easier. I talked about in the workshop and I talk about on my e-course, Orgasmic Liberation, I'll talk about it to anyone. The more you have orgasms, the easier it is to have them thanks to the magic of neuroplasticity because our brain and our body form neural pathways. And so if you think about it, you are building up your orgasmic capacity. You are training yourself. The more you train yourself to savor the pleasurable sensations, to savor what feels good, to enjoy everything that is good, like all the yummy sensations that you feel, savor them all, relax and breathe into it, it is easier to have an orgasm. And the more you do that, the easier it is to orgasm, the more orgasms you have, and it forms a glorious virtuous cycle. Okay, number two. And that is tensing up your body. So bracing, tensing up your body and holding your breath. So I know you are doing this. Do you know why I know you're doing this? Because this is an, it's, it's an inevitable body response when we're reaching close to climax. And everybody of all genders, we all do this. It's a very human response. Think about the last time you masturbated or you had sex and you felt yourself close to orgasm where it was building up and building up and building up. Notice what your body was doing 
And usually what your body may have been doing, you may have been doing some form of bracing, some form of tensing up. This is what happens when we get very close to orgasm or if you're somebody who just really, 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 really wants to come, which is C.1. Actually, what you need to be doing is to breathe, first of all, because you're also probably holding your breath. And I recommend breathing into your belly and noticing every time you're bracing and tensing up and intentionally just relax your body a little bit and rock your pelvis. And the reason for that is that it is possible to have an orgasm when you're holding your breath and you're tensing up. And you may have been having those already. They're known as tension orgasms. But the thing about tension orgasms is they don't always feel as satisfying. They feel a bit small and or they feel like really hard work where you've just had to work really hard to have one. And when you manage to have one, it's like, oh God, oh my God, I'm shattered now. Ugh. And they may not have felt as good. And it's funny because whenever I have given this tip before, which is when you notice yourself tensing up, embracing your body, deliberately relax your body, deliberately take some breaths into your belly. I've had women saying to me, yeah, but then I lost the orgasm, the pleasure dropped. And so my response to that is that's temporary because what you're doing is actually retraining your body. Um, you may have heard of the practice called edging, which is usually kind of recommended to men and people with penises, which is basically to build up your pleasure capacity, which is basically bring yourself close to orgasm. And just as you're about to come, you take your hands away and you breathe. It can feel very difficult if you really want that release, but just take your hands away, slow down, um, take the toy away, breathe into it so that the arousal starts to come down a bit. And then you start again. And then when you're about to come to orgasm, you stop, you breathe and bring it down. This is a practice that women, people with vulvas, all genders can benefit from because it's going to build up your tolerance, build up your capacity. And if maybe the only way you can have an orgasm is to have a tension orgasm, then give yourself a couple of tension orgasms and start to train yourself because having learning to have orgasms, learning to build up your pleasure capacity is training. By the way, if you hear rattling or knocking, it's probably because I'm knocking the table. <laughs> when I talk, I tend to gesticulate wildly and I tend to move my body and I'm aware that I'm rattling and <laughs> knocking the desk. Hopefully I won't knock anything over this time. But what I mean is you're having to retrain yourself, retrain your body to relax into orgasms. And when you learn how to relax into orgasms and really savor it, the orgasms you have are going to feel, they're going to feel more satisfying and they're going to be something that you can build on. I'm not saying you have to give up your tension orgasms. I'm saying both and, because I probably, you're finding orgasms quite frustrating when you can only come a certain way. And this isn't also about trying to make yourself completely relaxed. It's more a noticing when you're holding your breath, noticing when you're tensing up, noticing when you're bracing your body and relaxing into it. And as you do that, allowing the pleasurable sensations to start to spread around your body, which segues beautifully into point number three which is 
not giving yourself enough time. And maybe you're somebody where it feels like it takes forever for you to come. And maybe you get bored, maybe you get frustrated. But, and, I wonder how often you actually give yourself intentionally the time you need. This is more on your own to begin with. Are you setting aside half an hour, an hour, (laughs) an hour, where you are telling yourself, I'm going to give myself all the time that I need because this is just for me with no pressure to come. And what I'm going to do instead is savor everything that feels good, tantalize myself, explore everything that feels pleasurable. I doubt you are doing that. (laughs) Taking a window into your bedroom there. And I am not against a quick wank. Quick wanks or... um, Someone did orgasmic the when I ran orgasmic liberation live last year. Uh, someone said a maintenance a, a maintenance wank. I am totally for a maintenance wank, and if they're the only kind of masturbation and self pleasuring you do, I want to challenge how much time you're actually allowing yourself. Are you really giving yourself your t- the time you need? Because for women and people with vulvas. In general, we do take longer. So there, there is one piece of, some piece of evidence that says it takes an average 20 minutes for a woman to become fully aroused. Um, that has been debated. So I'm going to say it's less about counting the 20 minute mark and more the, in general, for most women and vulva havers, no, I don't want to say that, for many women and vulva havers, we need a lot more time. And maybe think about why are we trying to rush ourselves? Because for many men and people with penises, they can get aroused very quickly, but not all. Why are you trying to give yourself McDonald's sex? (laughs) McDonald's is great sometimes, but it's not as satisfying. It's not as nutritious. Um, If you eat McDonald's every single day, it's not going to fuel and nourish your body. The same with sex, masturbating, orgasms. What is stopping you from giving yourself the time you need? And you're probably going to say, time, I have no time. But do you really? How much time are you scrolling on your phone? (laughs) How much time are you watching trash online? Again, I'm not against scrolling and watching trash, but I think that you have time even once a week. And I challenge you to make that time because from a purely physiological level, as women and people with vulvas, we have internal erectile tissue. We have just as much erectile tissue as men and people with penises. For us, it's internal. It's why you can't really see when a vulva is fully aroused. It's not as visibly obvious as like a rock hard boner. (laughs) But not just that, it takes time for the blood to flow, but also you may notice, and the more you start to explore orgasms and self-pleasuring, you need that time. Like, I saw this really good analogy. Um, it's in a book called, it's a book by, in a book by Sherry Winston called the, damn it, I can't remember, but she's an awesome, uh, I think, sex therapist or practitioner 
who wrote about uh, pleasure anatomy, women's pleasure anatomy. And she talked about, she gave this analogy, and it does sound a bit gender binary, but I do think it applies to a lot of people. And I will add the caveat that when men and people with penises learn to embrace their full pleasure potential, it will absolutely change. But she used a description of, and this is very, um, she, she used a description of when men become aroused, it's a bit like fire. So up quickly and then down again. But when women become aroused, it's a bit like a, a pot of water. It takes a while to get fully aroused. And then when you're there, you can be rolling for hours. And maybe this is you, maybe it's not you. But I want to give this, I want to open up this possibility that we have, when we're taught about sexuality and a lot of scientific studies on sexuality, probably before about 20 years ago, we're very much done from a male model, a typical male sexual response. I just whacked my light there. It's why there's been more researchers like Rosemary Basson um, and also Shear Height, Shira Height, who have done more research saying that actually for women, and for now they're using a very cisgender model, but for women, the way our sexual desire and sexual response works tends to be very different to men. Now, how much of this is so? How much of this is nature? How much of this is nurture? I don't really care. It's the point that for all humans, our understanding of desire and arousal is so varied. So why are you not giving yourself that time to really get aroused, to really take that time to let the arousal build? This is why I talked about edging, where you really let the, you could say, sexual energy and arousal have the time to build up in your body. I know for me that when I practice edging or if I'm masturbating and I notice that I'm going to come quite quickly, I always try and ease off because I know that if I come very quickly, it's not going to be as satisfying as if I let it build up and I give myself that time. And I know that when I give myself that time to get really aroused, to feel super juicy, <laughs> to feel all of that yumminess building up, not just in my vulva and my pelvis, but I feel it starting to spread around my body. That means that when I have an orgasm, it's going to feel a lot more satisfying than if I'd come quickly. So give yourself that time. Think of it as both and. And eventually when you're with a partner, having a partner who lets you have that time, even if it takes you an hour. So one thing I want to add here, not that it has to take an hour with a partner, but what would it be like to give yourself an hour? To gift yourself the luxury of time and attention for a full hour? Does that feel super indulgent? Go for it. Make it indulgent. There's something that um, I was recommended to do when I was in sexology training and creating a masturbation practice, which was to make a whole thing of it like run a bath, light candles, burn incense or whatever smells good, dress up, use nice toys, play music, eat snacks, make it a whole sensuous, sensual experience in the same way that you'd want that from a partner. You don't have to do it every day or every week, but what's stopping you making a date with yourself once in a while? 
And one final thing that I recommended to the people in the orgasm workshop, and I recommend to everyone, it's a practice called orgasmic yoga. Um, and it was created by a sexologist called Joseph Kramer. And I'm not going to go into the full practice of orgasmic yoga, but the basic tenet of it is that you give yourself half an hour of touching your vulva with no goal, just touching. And that means exploring what sensations you feel, exploring what kind of touch works for you, um, touching the rest of your body, touching your breasts, touching your hips. In orgasmic yoga, it's like a 30-day practice where you do it every day for 30 days and you start off by setting an intention. So it's like a yoga practice. But the point is there is no goal to come. If you come, it's a wonderful add-on. But the point is to explore what feels good and also to allow other emotions to come up. Because maybe for you it's happened that when you masturbate or you have sex, well, you've started crying. Or maybe you felt bored or you felt frustrated or other emotions have come up and you've beat yourself up for that. In an orgasmic yoga practice, and ideally I'd take this into any masturbation and sex as well, you treat it as a meditation where you allow everything to come up, whatever emotions you're feeling, the boredom, the sadness, the grief, the anger even, because this was already existing. It was already inside your body and nervous system. You're just giving it time and space to come up. So if you feel that you need to cry, cry. If you find you get really angry and you want to punch pillows, punch pillows. If you start laughing, start laughing. It's basically a form of meditation, but really yummy, good, maybe a little bit transgressive meditation. So number four, and that is going too hard. And by this, I mean either um, with your hands or your fingers, like pressing yourself and rubbing really, really hard, like it's a bloody DJ, like it's a DJ booth. Or if you're using a vibrator, like pressing down, like you're trying to do some industrial tools or something. Re Pussies are much more sensitive than penises. And I invite you to think about why you feel you need to use really hard touch or, you know, intense touch. In a lot of uh, porn videos, I mean that in the, a lot of the free tube sites, you see people like, for want better of a word, wanking off the women or the female performers. Like the, I don't know, I've seen some really aggressive fingering and I look at it and I immediately flinch and close my legs. Like, what? Like, it, sometimes like intense fingering can feel really good, but you need a lot of time to get fully aroused. I've seen these bloody male performers or men just like going in there and ramming their fingers in. And sometimes when I look at the female performers, they're writhing around. It doesn't look like pleasure. It looks like pain. Why are you going so hard? And maybe it's because you've gotten so used to the intensity of intense fiber, uh, intense sensations from a vibrator or intense touch that you feel that you've become desensitized. Now, this is not, I am not anti-vibrators. I'm saying this is a kind of touch you have become accustomed to. And it's something you can retrain yourself. And I would add here that if you are needing really intense, hard touch and stimulation to get off, I bet 
there's something else going on in the rest of your life where you struggle to feel, maybe you struggle to feel emotions, maybe you struggle to, or maybe you're somebody who lives in intensity. Maybe you're somebody who tends to feel everything all at once or you feel nothing. Maybe you're somebody who likes to live on the edge or you like to push your edges. And I'd probably say this is a nervous system thing as well. <laughs> uh, one of the unexpected things that a lot of clients get when they work with me is they start learning how to feel really unpleasant emotions like sadness, grief, rage, emotions that feel really ugly. And I say, these emotions were already there. But if you understand the idea that our bodies store emotions, so, you know, our bodies store emotions. And when the time is right, when our bodies feel safe enough, we start to feel them. I use the analogy, which is very unsexy, of like constipation. <laughs> when you're backed up with shit, eventually it has to come out. And by the way, I don't want you to take this and be like, right, I've got to feel all my emotions. No, we need to do this really slowly. And this goes back to the practice of orgasmic yoga, which is creating a practice where you give yourself time just to explore what feels good without the pressure to come. This is how you start to resensitize your vulva and resensitize your body. All that's happened is you've become used to a certain kind of stimulation. And this is why uh, this is why vibrators get a bad rap from some people. I, I am not anti-vibrator. I have colleagues, I know people that are very anti-vibrators because they say they numb you out. There's very little evidence to show that vibrators cause permanent nerve damage. They don't. And I've used vibrators for years. My pussy is super sensitive. But you can become accustomed to that kind of stimulation. And so it's about, again, the both and, adding more, exploring different kinds of touch. Um, there's a really good book called The Art of Giving and Receiving by someone called Betty Martin, and she has a really good uh, body of work around the wheel of consent. And that is basically learning how to touch again and learning how to receive touch again. So I recommend taking time to explore touching your vulva just for pleasure in a way that feels good, rather than uh, trying to extract an orgasm. This is also why uh, some people online rant about vibrators ruining relationships, uh, or, or some women being really worried about using a vibrator because they know that their partner can never replicate the vibrating motions, and therefore it's going to ruin sex with your partner because you can only get off with a vibrator. I understand where that concern comes from because you can become very accustomed to that kind of stimulation. And the solution is both and. Well, first of all, you can use a vibrator in sex with your partner. <laughs> You're allowed to, and it can make it really fun. But also it's the learning different kinds of touch. For example, it could be using a vibrator just before you come and then taking it away and then using your fingers or using your fingers and then using a vibrator. It's about switching it up rather than, you know, I'm very anti any kind of abstinence thing. A lot of 
there's a lot of messaging in tantra conscious sexuality where it's like all vibrators are bad vibrators cause you to become addicted and numbed out whereas i'm like eh, middle ground because coming back to the concept of neuroplasticity the more you come the easier it is to come and so if you need a vibrator to come Use a vibrator, because the more you do it, the easier it is to come each time. And another little side note here. Notice that there can be this push towards this thing of a naturalistic fallacy, where only, quote-unquote, what's natural is good, and what is man-made or electronic is bad. And notice that if you are trying to almost, like, I don't know, force yourself or subtly punish yourself to come without a vibrator. Pleasure is pleasure is pleasure. Please let yourself feel pleasure in whatever way feels good. It's a very subtle way in which we can introduce a kind of like competitiveness. Like I see it a lot in the wellness culture where what starts off as this, as a, a good intention of self-care like, I'm going to do yoga practice every day and meditation, and I'm going to drink green smoothies, and I'm going to quote-unquote detox. It can very easily become a subtle form of self-punishment. Are you subtly trying to punish yourself by going cold turkey from vibrators? Sorry, I really don't like that messaging, going cold turkey from vibrators. Vibrators are not drugs. <laughs> They're not addicted uh, not addictive, and anybody who says vibrators are addictive are talking out of, out of their ass. says a certified sexologist. If you don't like vibrators, don't use them. It's as simple as that. I know many women who don't like vibrators, and that's awesome. You don't have to like them. Don't use one if you don't like one. But they're not bad, they're not addictive. And I know many women who can come, myself included, with both a vibrator and without a vibrator. And you know, <laughs> I'm speaking just for myself here, but also for many people I know. Do you know how I got to be able to come both with vibrators and without vibrators? Practice. <laughs> practice. Lots of masturbation practice, plus techniques like breathing, pelvic movements, kegels, paying attention to pleasure. I can come without a vibrator and with a vibrator. It's very much what do I feel like today? I'm going off on my own personal masturbation experience here, but I think it's important for me to share it because it normalizes it. There are some days, if I'm in my self-pleasure practice, where I don't want to have a vibrator. I want to have that feeling of my own fingers. I want to have a feeling of my glass toy. And so I go with that. And there are other times when I want that stimulation from a vibrator. This is what you can have. I invite you to build that relationship, build that intuitive knowing. And by the way, this is everything you will learn in my digital course, Orgasmic Liberation. So number five. And this is, and I love how all of these points have wonderfully segued onto each other, into each other, whatever. And that's only touching your vulva in order to wank. <laughs> only touching your vulva to try and create an orgasm. 
uh, one of my colleagues, Cam Fraser, talks about this idea where we kind of form this extractive relationship with our genitals, where we will only touch them in order to create a result, which is an orgasm. And if you think about it for, if I talk about women and vulva havers, it's very common to only have contact with your vulva if you're toileting, menstruating, having sex or masturbating. And one of the most, I say, one of the most foundational practices I do with my clients is a meditation called hand to heart vulva. I should call it something else, but whatever. And this also comes from the practice of orgasmic yoga. And you can practice this now. You can place a hand on your heart and a hand on your vulva and just breathe and feel into what connection. Imagine that there's a connection there or feel how they're connected and check in with your vulva. Ask her or ask it or them what it wants from you, what it needs. It's starting to build this relationship with your vulva and all of your genitals from connection and love and tenderness and appreciation rather than, I know I'm like rubbing a GJ booth, come on, when you're orgasming, come on, you've got to come now. And if you think about it, if we were to personify your vulva, your vagina, your pussy. You can do that. Um, this is one of the first exercises I ever did and the first ever conscious sexuality retreat I did. And I think it comes from some form of therapy. And it's, if my pussy could talk, what would it say? What would it be like to relate to your vulva, your vagina, or maybe every body part as having a wisdom of its own and storing emotions as being sentient. Because if you think about it, it's all part of your body and your body is a sentient thing. And by doing this, you start to approach your pussy, your vulva, your genitals from a place of respect and love and tenderness and connection. Like I remember when I first started doing these exercises, it was like the hand heart vulva exercise um, when I started learning tantric breath work and breathing into breathing up through my vagina, it was this feeling of like, I can feel my vulva, I can feel my vagina. Like I, I could feel it before, but it was this feeling of, oh my God, I, I, it feels like it's there. And my clients have all said very similar whenever they've done these kinds of exercises. It's like, well, I knew it was there. I could feel it, but now I can actually feel it. <laughs> go figure and this comes back to either the fourth or the third point which is start the orgasmic yoga practice is really powerful because you're starting to touch your vulva relate to your vulva in a way where you're not trying to provoke a result like non-goal oriented where you can explore touching your vulva just for pleasure, just in a way that feels good. Exploring what touch actually feels good, not to have an orgasm, just what feels good. 
And also exploring where do I feel numbness or where is there pain? Where are my hot spots and where are my numb spots? There's a wonderful practice in somatic sexology called vulva mapping or genital mapping. So if you have a penis, it's penis mapping. And that's, you can do it with a practitioner or just by yourself where you're actually exploring and touching different parts of your vulva, your vagina and feeling what you can feel. Because if you think about it, when we have, most of us have a very, if we haven't done this work already, we come from a very dissociated, disembodied place with our bodies and with our genitals. Um, for now, I'm, I'm not going to go into if you are experiencing gender dysphoria, but if you are or you are worried that you are, you can probably relate to this on an even more intense level where there's a form of dissociation from your body where it doesn't feel like yours. For now, I'm speaking more to cisgender folk, although I hope that if you are experiencing gender dysphoria, <laughs> gender dysphoria or you have experienced gender dysphoria, that you can take something from this as well, which is the actually learning how to feel your genitals again and feel different parts of your body and relate to them in a different way. Many of us are, we say, living in a disembodied way where we, we, don't, we don't feel our bodies unless we start to do this work. And so learning how to feel your genitals again is a really powerful exercise. Learning how to relate to your body in a different way. So the idea here is again, learning how to relate to your body, your genitals, your vulva, from a place of care and compassion and love and celebration and pleasure, rather than like, come on, why don't you come? So I think that's it. These are the five starting points of the five things that tend to cock block you, get in the way of your orgasms and what you can start to do. So even though it's not quite five things, I've given lots of suggestions. I invite you to think about what you're taking from this episode and take one thing, maybe two, but one or two things that you're going to start doing. Make it doable. Don't try and do it all at once. And if this is something that you know you need more not just support with, but you want to go deeper into this, where you know this is just the tip of the iceberg and you want to really dive into your orgasmic pleasure, your orgasmic potential. Well, first of all, I have a wonderful digital course. It's called Orgasmic Liberation for Women and Vulva Havers. And it's basically a kind of step-by-step -step 101 in orgasms and self-pleasuring. It's got six modules, I think hope it's six it is six six modules and each module's got like two or three video classes of about 20 minutes uh movement practices um guided meditations workbooks and journaling prompts and it's a way for you to get really curious like a it's this it's the orgasm and wanking education <laughs> i love the word wank the self-pleasuring education that all of us should have received when we were younger but never did so this is the first point and if you want to go even deeper, if you are really ready to step into your full sexual and erotic expression and 
this is something that you know you've needed to do for a long time and you're ready to do it, then let's explore working together one-to-one. The details are in the show notes on my website and let's create your magical sexual and erotic future. So that's it for now to your orgasms and have a very sexy rest of your day. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Can you do me a huge favor? I would be so grateful if you could rate and review this podcast on iTunes, on Spotify and any other platform I post this podcast to. It helps more people listen to it and it helps spread the word. Also, if you enjoyed today's episode or any of the other episodes, I would be so grateful if you shared it with someone who you think would really enjoy it and benefit from it. Want to stay in touch on social media? You can find me on Instagram at Lucy Lou Rowett, on TikTok at Lucy Rowett, and on Facebook and LinkedIn and probably other social media platforms too. And finally, don't forget to join my mailing list. If you sign up, you get a free PDF on how to confidently communicate in bed to avoid awkwardness and have what you really, really want. So it's in the link in my show notes. It's in the link in my bio in my Instagram. It's on my website. It's in loads of places. So do sign up because not only do you get me direct into your inbox, but because I talk about sex, I never know if I'm going to be banned from any social media platform. So let's stay in touch. And if you want to explore working together, you can contact me through my website or through the link in my show notes. Until then, here's to living a shameless, shame-free life full of pleasure on your own terms in your body. Until next time.